Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Willie J. Mandrell about scaling your business through leveraging your people. Andrew, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to have this conversation. Uh, you come to us with uh, extensive expertise in the real estate and investing areas. And I don't usually interview people uh, from that sector, but you have a really interesting take on um, the conversation that we're going to have today, focusing on scaling your business through leveraging your people. And I, I do appreciate being able to explore that, not only generally, but also within the investing kind of framing and the real estate framing. As we get started, I wanted to share Willie's bio with everybody. Willie J. Mandrell is a self-made multimillionaire real estate investor, broker, coach, lecturer, and author. As a buyer, seller, and broker, he's been involved with well over 200 million in real estate transactions. He has been featured in numerous trade magazines, and he is a frequent guest on real estate and wealth-related podcasts, television, and radio shows across the U.S. Willie is the author of Cashflow Secrets, a book on real estate investing and finance tips most people are never taught but need to know. Willie is also a member of the Forbes Real Estate Council. William prides himself on staying current with local sales and rental trends. He has a real passion for the multifamily industry and specializes in representing buyers and sellers of income-producing properties. He strives to share his knowledge and experiences with every client and make every buyer and seller representation a pleasant and rewarding experience. Prior to entering the real estate field, Willie spent several years working in the banking and financial services industries for firms such as Banks of Bank of America and Catella & Co. Inc. During his corporate years, he earned several industry licenses, including the Series 7, 24, 65, and 53. This valuable experience in the investment world has allowed Willie to become an expert in evaluating the risk and rewards of various investment assets, including real estate. Willie earned his bachelor's degree from Northeastern University and is currently working on his master's in business from Suffolk University in Boston. Again, it's a wonderful uh, privilege to have you joining me today, Willie, thanks. And anything else you would like to share by way of background or personal context with the audience before we launch into the conversation? No, I mean, speaking of uh, leveraging your people, I'm not sure which one of my assistants wrote that bio, but that was the longest intro <laughs> ever. I mean, that, that, that pretty much sums it up. That tells you everything besides, besides the fact that I have two kids and, I, and I'm married and I, and I live right outside of Boston myself. Other than that, that is my professional background in a nutshell. Great. Excellent. And uh, if you don't mind me sharing uh, in the pre-interview before we hit record, we were just chatting a little bit and 
because you're stuck in traffic with a bad accident in the area, oh. you're pulled off on the side of the road uh, doing this uh, podcast interview from your car. And I can right. see your your child's car seat in the back seat. Uh, one, wonderful. I have six children myself. I, I know what it's like and and it's a, a good fun times. Yeah, yeah, there I have two, two and four. So if I lean, you can see we can lean over a little bit more. You can see the second child seat in the car. Uh, it's one, one for each passenger's uh, uh, seat. But um, yeah, two, two and four. It's it's a great age. Um, you know, my son is two, my daughter is four, and they are um, just at an age where it's just you know just wonderful. I mean, it's just uh, you know um, they're they're engaging, they're talking, they're learning. It's uh, you know it's um, it's a wonderful age. My wife prefers them. Um, at the baby stage where they're not really moving they're not running around there's no danger to themselves I I really don't like that stage I like them you know with the attitude with the stubbornness I, I like you know the the engagement so this is uh it's a great time for me well and that, that's funny that you say that uh, my wife and I have a theory people always talk about the terrible twos uh, at least for our kids two wasn't really so bad it was kind of the three-year-old stage where they started to get really stubborn and cranky I don't know if that fits with your experience, but <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, it's very, very much in line. Yeah, very much in line. <laughs> well, good. So this isn't actually a parenting podcast, but it's, it's nice, <laughs> nice to connect there. Um, but clearly you have a ton of experience in the financial services industry and investing and real estate. That's wonderful. I hope that you will weave, you know, that expertise and those experiences in as we go throughout this conversation. But we are going to be focusing on scaling business and leveraging your people in order to scale in a sustainable way. Uh, and, and you just happen to come at that from your you know, area of expertise within uh, finance and, and real estate and investing. Uh, so let's, let's first um, paint a picture for the, for the audience a little bit about uh, what it looks like in, in your experience in, in the industry, in organizations. Uh, in the financial services area in terms of growth and scaling. Uh, and then, you know, maybe we can explore that a little bit more generally um, as organizations outside of the, the financial services might also be looking to scale. Yeah, um, I, I would say I'm in the real estate industry, not financial service, strong background in financial services. But um, yeah, I mean, for just in terms of scaling, I think, you know, hiring my first assistant, hiring that first person is what a lot of people, you know, don't do. They, they, there's this general belief as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's building a business that only you can do what you do. Only you can produce the results, the great results, and that your clients and your customer base are attached and in love with, the res with you, but they're actually in, in love and attached with your, uh, in love with your results, right? The results that you produce. Um, and it took me a long time to get over that hurdle. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs suffer with that. And that's why they turn into or they stay mom and pop shops and they never really scale or never really grow because they're stuck in this mindset of only I can produce these, uh, these results and my clients love me. When in fact, I think you should treat your business more like, and, I, and I, um, I talk to people about this all the time, treating your business more like McDonald's treats it, right? McDonald's is, I tell a story all the time about people and I, when I was 16, I was in high school and I got my worker's permit and I went to go work at McDonald's and within two weeks, I knew how to use the fryer later, the, you know, flipping burgers. I was doing the cashier. I was running the, you know, the drive-through and I thought I was the man. I thought I was like, I should be running this whole restaurant. And the reason that was 20 years later, I realized is not because I was the man and I had some special set of skills. It was because McDonald's had the best 
procedures and 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 uh, and documentation of the way things should be done the right way in place. Um, so they're 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 the model, right? I mean that you should be striving to trying to get to, regardless of whether you're in the real estate business or something else. It should be documenting the things that you do well, putting procedures in place, and then handing those procedures off to somebody else. And when I did that, when I finally realized that that was the thing that I was supposed to do, my business just took off. I I did it basically for everything. I would. You know, in my real estate business, I would figure out how the best way to attend a foreclosure, an auction foreclosure, um, pick up a property, the right way to uh, price it out, negotiate it, do my rental comp, you know, comparable sales. Um, and then I took that procedure or the, documented everything I was doing correctly, found the best way to get it done, put it into a procedure and handed it off to somebody else and went on and did the next thing uh, and created another procedure for, for that. Um, after I was able to do that, your, your business just really scales. I went from hiring one assistant to uh, virtually, I think, 25 different virtual assistants from around the world that um, are involved in my business in some aspect of it right now, 20 different agents that uh, work with the company, um, and then a lot of different subcontractors in various, uh, various places as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great point you make. And it, part of it's ego, um, you know, that we, we don't feel like anyone else can do what we do. And, you know, we're really high on our own skills and abilities. And, and in part, that's why we're entrepreneurs and why we are willing to venture out and, and take the risk. Um, but it, it's not all ego. It's, it's also just frugality. It's bootstrapping. You know, you, you get into the mindset of, you know, I can do this and, and you're, you kind of wear all the hats and, and you just get comfortable and in that zone. So coupling those pieces together for whatever the reason is, when you're just doing everything yourself, uh, it, no matter how good your product or service is, no matter how good your relationships with your customers are, you can't scale because you have a limited bandwidth. Uh, and right. I don't care how much of a genius you are, you need good people around you. That's and so, right. and so at some point you take that leap and, and I get it. Like that's, a, that's a hard leap to take when you hire that first person um, because now all of a sudden you have salary and benefits that you're paying out um, and you're, you're wondering, is it really going to be worth it? Am I going to make, you know, is, are we going to in, increase productivity enough to warrant having this position or these positions? Um, but over time, as you start to, to, uh, to train and, and share with them how to do these processes well, like you described, then, you, you, you can become way more productive because you just have more people. You have, you have um, the, the brain bank is, is full now because you have more people not only sharing in the, in the workload of getting stuff done, but also sharing their own insights, their own expertise, uh, their own creativity, their own ideas. Uh, and, and I don't know, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I suspect that you know you, as you lay out the, the protocols, the procedures of all these different um, tasks that need to be done, you hand it off to the person, let them start to run with it so they know how to do it. But over time, they make it their own and they can, they can start to, to exercise their own autonomy and their own creativity to, to do the tasks and the position in the way that makes sense for them and fits for them. Um, can you speak to that for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't hire anybody. What I don't want is a is a yes man or a yes woman that's going to come in and say, yes, Willie, I, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow your procedures to the letter. But the procedures are there as a guideline. Again, unlike McDonald's, you want to you want if the burger needs to be flipped in 15 seconds, you want to do exactly that. Right. If the fries need to be going down in 500 degree oil and pulled up in, in two minutes, you want to do exactly that. Unlike McDonald's, I leave some wiggle room because real estate is a unique business in the sense that 
there are no there was no property that's exactly like the next property right i mean every address in america uh is different than the next it doesn't matter if we're in the same city there's there's similar very similarities in terms of when they were built and issues and everything else but you need to leave some wiggle room for your people to uh you know make adjustments to those procedures and everything else so what i do is i try to go out and hire the the, the best people and when typically what i do and it's weird to take this approach but i don't find a uh how do i put this i don't find a need and then go out and try to force a person into that position what i do is i, I kind of reverse it i go out and find good people and then try to pull them into my business um so i go out and i say she's really good at this if you ever if you're ever looking for a change come over you know like i said i'd like to yeah, talk to you I like you that. know and fit you into my business um he's really talented at xyz they're not paying you enough come talk to me you know and like i said we can so that's more or less the people that have been with me there are a lot of virtual assistants that you know in in, in the philippines and, and i have people in ghana and all, you know all over the world where yes i created a position a need and filled the uh, the the uh the need with a with a body um but in most cases, it's the reverse. It's me going out and meeting people within the industry and saying, you know what, you're really talented. I had, my, uh, you know, I do some banking at Bank of America, a local branch in Bank of America. And there was a girl that uh, was there and we had talked for years and she was really just, just, just above and beyond when it comes to, came to her customer service there at the branch. And we had, we got to talking and now she's my acquisitions assistant. Um, you know, so it's just pulling, you know, when you are out in the market and you're meeting people and you recognize talent, pulling that talent close to you and pulling that talent into your business is going to be the, you know, the best thing to help you, you scale. Um, and I, if I can reverse, I'd like to, you know, touch on one point that you made uh, before um, the, you know, the frugal nature of people where let's say for instance, you're making a hundred thousand dollars and you're the only employee, you're the only, it's just you, you're an independent contractor. And you're afraid that if you hire somebody at 40 grand, that now you're only going to be making $60,000. That's that's a false narrative that you're 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 cooking up in your head. That shouldn't be the case. And if that's the case, you've hired the wrong person, or you didn't teach them how to produce. If you hire somebody at forty thousand, your income should balloon. It shouldn't stay at a hundred thousand. Your income should go up because that person has taken a load of marketing responsibilities, admin responsibilities, a whole bunch of other things that you are doing day to day. You are now no longer need to be doing therefore you can now spend more time going out and getting the next client and building your business more time on marketing more time on podcasts whatever it may be that builds your brand that continues to build your business so that was another thing that i got out of that that narrative that if i'm making 100 grand i hire somebody at for 40,000 now i'm only making 60 grand that's not that's not the case that $40,000 employee should at least bump your income up to at least cover their salary. If not, it should be, you know, bumping you up closer to 200 grand, you know, right. and that's the way you should be looking at it. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? 
What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really a fear-based mentality, right? Um, Which is a bit ironic because I think entrepreneurs tend to be, you know, willing to embrace risk. Otherwise they wouldn't be entrepreneurs. They'd be working for a corporation, but there, there is something, there's kind of this mental hurdle for a lot of people. It's either themselves, or maybe it's a little family run business. And the idea of scaling is just a little bit, you know, a bridge too far (laughs) for them to go. But, but if we can get past that mental block and just invest in, in people to help us, then we absolutely can scale. And, and to your point, you know, you, you hire that person at 40 grand. Um, chances are, if you, if you handle it well, you get a good person in there and you, you manage the, the, the dynamic well, it should probably bump you up at least to double your current, you know, if you're making hundred grand exactly. up to two hundred grand or more, and then you can start hiring more people and 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 start to scale over time. And you can do it, you can do it iteratively and scalably and and uh, sustainably. You don't have to go out out and hire ten people uh, right off the bat and then try to figure out how to get revenues to catch up. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And the other fear that people have is. Well, I train this person and, and this is this is a real thing as well. And this goes back to the procedures and everything else is I train this person and then they leave and then I train another person and then they leave. And both. that's where your procedures come into place. You're spending a lot of energy training this person when they come in and you need to be documenting as much as possible. One of the things that really helped me balloon, um, you know, the kind of the business and really scale was creating video procedures. Um, I would hop on YouTube and just create a special page on my channel. Um, I have my marketing channel, and then on the backside of that channel, which are private videos that are only accessed to my team. So when they needed to fill out a buyer form or a piece of paperwork or a seller form or um, needed to go on a listing appointment, how do you, what are the things that I need to do? I was sick and tired of waking up at, you know, one o'clock in the morning or doing this at, you know, middle, middle of the night. I said, you know what, there's gotta be an easier way. And People nowadays are too, uh, let's call it, what is it, lazy to read. Um, They're not going to read written procedures. So the easiest thing for me to do was to hop on something just like I'm doing with you right now and just talk to the camera. And that way they can now watch it at one o'clock in the morning, rewind it. What did Willie say? Fast forward it, you know, get get to the good stuff. And I just created a bunch of videos. I think at one point we had 50 to 100 just training videos within our company, um, and, you know, made them searchable, put them on the back of a website and just made them really clickable and searchable and almost created almost like an intranet, uh, like a big corporation would have, but we're, you know, a small business. And that's something that should be really easy, whether you're running a bakery or you're running, you know, a auto body shop, or you're in something a little bit more white collar, you should be able to create a YouTube video, record it, put it on a platform and have your employees watch that and be up and running in no time. I love that tip. Uh, that. That is so um, inexpensive to do. And, right. and to your point about writing out procedures, uh, not only do people not tend to 
to read them or pay full attention to written procedures. Uh, but it takes a lot of time to do that and, does, to, and to do that well. It's it's way faster to just hop on a, a video and especially if you if you have the years of experience and the expertise, then you just spend five, 10 minutes, you explain something yep. and and boom, you're there. And with platforms like YouTube, uh, it's it's super easy to do. So that's that's super a great tip. Something else that you said a minute ago that I wanted to to zoom in on and really highlight was how you were talking about just keeping your eye out for talent anywhere you go. Now, sometimes we do have a specific job that needs to be filled, a specific niche with it, you know, with a specific skill set, capabilities, and competencies. And so we post a job and we get applicants, and we go through that normal process. But I love your approach to just looking for good talent everywhere you go. Um, if you're always looking for people who are just talented, good customer service skills, uh, they're, they're, they're good communicators, they're just aware, they're present. Um, these, these soft skills that, uh, you know, you can teach them the technical skills of, of doing, you know, this process, that process, filling out this paperwork, whatever, uh, that's easy. It's hard to, good, to find good people who are people of integrity, who are going to be consistent, good workers, you know, and, and just good with your customers. And so we should always be keeping our eye out and you can find talent in, you know, sometimes the, the most interesting places where you would yeah, never, ex you would never expect it. The last thing I, I would say to that is, um, you know, if, when you find talent, don't be afraid to pay them. Um, absolutely don't be afraid to pay them. One of the things that I, I, I try to do on a regular basis, when I was in corporate America, I, I prided myself on being, uh, in going above and beyond the, the guy or the girl that was sitting next to me, if they did this, I needed to go and, and, and be above and beyond that. And that's just who I am. And, and that's, you know, the company loved it. But what I always found is I always had to go back to the company and say, I feel like I deserve X, Y, Z. I feel like I deserve a little bit more. I feel like this and that. I didn't like doing that because it creates an awkward situation for me, the employee and you, the, you know, you, the employer. I am always proactively looking for a reason to give bonuses, to give a raise. And I want to do that before my employee comes to me because the other, the other side of it is I was also a very ambitious person and I jumped, um, not, not proud of it, but I mean, it was a fact. I jumped from job to job because I knew that the easiest way for me to get a raise was to go to another company, show them my value, show them my new skill set, and have them uh, give me a, a, a new, negotiate my new salary on the way in. To avoid my employees and my people having to do that, employees, subcontractors, anybody else, I proactively go to them and say, you know what? you're worth more. And the thing about it is I don't give them huge jumps, but just the small incremental increase puts us back in the mindset of I'm, I'm being appreciated. I'm being noticed. I'm being the things that I'm doing are not going unnoticed. Um, and a dollar raise can go, a, a, you know, a long way, you know, I mean, a 50 cent raise can go a long way, depending on what they're already, you know, making, right. If they're a $25 an hour employee, maybe it's a dollar. If they're a, you know, a $10 employee, maybe it's a 50 cent raise, but just recognizing them before, um, they have to have and come sit down with that, 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 that conversation with you is a great way to make sure that your turnover stays low, you know, for the long haul. Absolutely. And it's actually one of my pet peeves uh, when organizations try to just see what they get a, can get away with in right, terms of right. low pay and taking advantage of their employees. Now, they wouldn't frame it that way, but that's how I frame it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. And yeah. it, that's sure what it seems like to me. Uh -huh. And, and, I, I, I completely agree 100%. We should be proactive about showing how we value 
uh, our people, like showing them directly in ways that count. So giving them a pat on the back, saying, hey, good presentation, good job on this or that, giving them th those positive reinforcements and feedback, that's great. But where it really counts um, is, is with how the benefits are set up, the, the, the raises, the bonuses. And like you said, it doesn't need to be a huge jump. You don't need to give right. them a $10,000 a year raise in right. order for them to feel appreciated. Uh, but regular uh, acknowledgement of their contribution will not only you know, keep them from leaving and going off to the next place looking for the next bump up, uh, but it just engages them more in their current job. Listen, it could be as simple as something as somebody listening to this right now says, I really can't, you know, they're kind of maxed out. It's, it can be as simple as something, hey, it's a nice day in Boston. Give them, give them the Friday, half a day on Friday. Take off at noon and, and, and go get your beach clothes ready or do whatever you're going to do. Exactly. And it's just yeah. little stuff like that that say, hey, you know, um, instead of trying to get that extra four hours when we know that most people are not productive between after lunch and, and 5 p.m. on a Friday anyway, let them take off at noon and just say, hey, take the rest of the day off. I appreciate everything you've put in a lot of hard. They're going to come back on Monday morning ready to go. Um, and you're going to get more, more out of them the following Monday than you would have the four, the latter four hours of that Friday anyhow. So, I mean, you might, even if it's little stuff like that, you know, picking up lunch every once in a while, if it's seven, $8, $10, $12 for lunch, those little gestures go a long way in maintaining um, that relationship. Cause in some situations, um, depending on what the career is and what you're doing, they, you know, you, you may need them to stay a lot longer, or you may need them more than they actually need the job. So um, those little gestures go a long way in maintaining those relationships and, uh, and keeping your turnover down because we all know as employers, uh, turnover is, is very costly. Yeah. And again, I, I like the way you framed that. Uh, oftentimes organizations do think that they can kind of just treat their people however they want because, because their people need the job. Um, right. they, they frame it the opposite way of what you just said. Um, but, you know, the, given the current pandemic situation that we're in and high unemployment rates, uh, perhaps in some areas that might be the case. Right. Um, but that's not the way it's going to stay. That's certainly not the way it was pre-pandemic. And we're in a fight for good talent. And every, absolutely. every organization needs to be thinking about how to attract and retain and engage good people on a regular basis. And if we just treat our people like you know, they're disposable, it doesn't really matter. You're not happy, leave, I'll get someone else. Uh, if that's how we treat them, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we actually yep. treat them though, like, yes, you are a highly valued person. I can see what you bring to the table. Uh, you help us to be better as an organization. Uh, and you, you treat them that way, you communicate with them that way, you pay them that way, then lo and behold, you're going to have great people who stick around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's the key. You know, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, you, you just said it, you're in a fight for good talent. I think most people look at employees as, you know, you can trade one for another. Um, but if you have somebody who's really talented, really good, somebody who actually puts the thought in, I, I love a, you know, someone who, um, doesn't just do the job, but says, Willie, how do, can we move this over here and improve this? Can we change this around and flip this over here to make it a little bit more efficient? One of the things that I always encourage my people to do is also to replace themselves. I think that everybody should be in their highest and best use. My project manager on a job, I don't want her running from job site to job site to job site if it's, you know, if that's not her highest and best use. So I'm constantly having conversations with her 
about continuing to put herself in her highest and best use, right? If her highest and best use, and she believes that I'm more important getting bids for our new jobs, getting, talking to the roofer, coordinating our schedule, uh, you know, paying invoices, but I'm using too much of my time running from job site to job site, tell me that you need to go out and create another, another position, an intern or whatever that you need somebody to assist you um, so you are being more efficient. And it, it, that, that elevation of her hopefully elevates the entire company. And I try to do that across the board is make sure that everybody or everyone here uh, that works for the company understands that um, if they feel like there's an inefficiency uh, in place, especially with their hours or their time, let's hire somebody uh, to work underneath you to replace you and make your, your job more efficient and move you into a VP spot or whatever you want to call it. Um, but just making sure that everybody in your organization is in their highest and best use. And it's a term that I use, you know, quite often, some obviously not something I created. It's something that's been, you know, been, you know, a, a concept that's been around forever. Uh, but it's something that I, you know, try to implement and try to keep uh, flowing through my business on a regular basis. It's something I do with myself, you know, my highest and best use right now is uh, continuing to brand the company, continuing to tell people about our message and what we do and go out there and look for more opportunities to invest in real estate within the, uh, the market. My highest and best use now is not being on job sites, swinging a hammer and painting and doing demo and, and getting dirty anymore. Um, you know, so constantly elevating uh, myself and then elevating my people uh, to do the same thing with themselves. I love it, Willie. I love everything about your philosophy and your mentality and how you approach your organization and your people. It has been a real pleasure talking with you today. Uh, the time has flown by. I would love to have you back anytime and we can continue the conversation. But before we part ways today, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about uh, your business, and then give us the last word on the topic for today. Yeah, sure. If, you, if you're if you're, inter, inter, if you're interested in real estate, um, Cashflow Secrets uh, is my book. I just released it a few months ago. It's on Amazon, uh, Cashflow Secrets. If you are just interested in business building, financial literacy, uh, my YouTube channel is uh, where I spend most of my time. Uh, it's forward slash W Mandrell, youtube.com forward slash W Mandrell, or just Google me. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Uh, what's the new, uh, the new thing that everybody's on? Clubhouse? Tick i'm not on tiktok <laughs> yet but i'm on clubhouse is the uh, the other social media platform everybody else is on um and then the last word of the day i would say is just don't be afraid to go out and leverage the key to scaling is leveraging people leverage right it's creating those systems creating those processes and then going out and finding somebody to replace you or to replace um you know that aspect of your business so don't be afraid to go out and spend money um and you're not spending money you're investing money into into human capital um, and I guarantee it'll grow your business over time. Excellent. Thank you, Willie. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what he can do for you and your business. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think.
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.